Welcome to the House Podcast. We want to encourage you wherever you're at today. Reach out or email us at any time, and we hope you enjoy today's message. When I was seven years old, okay, seven years old, my parents took me, my whole family, to Wild Waves Water and Amusement Park in Tacoma, Washington, okay? And it was awesome, especially when you're super small, like everything just looked massive and amazing. And I'm the youngest of, of three. And so my two older siblings, uh, they went off and they were going on water slides and going on the big amusement rides. And I was stuck with the parents. We had a ton of fun, but at some point I uh, had to go to the washroom. And so my dad let me go into the washroom and he said, hey, Matt, make sure you come out the same entrance you came in, out of the washroom. So I go into the washroom and I walk out the other door and I look around and my parents are nowhere to be seen. And I'm looking around and I'm surrounded by so many people, so many tall people. And I have that moment of panic. And what would you do if you're seven years old, lost in an amusement park? I started crying, okay? I was bawling my eyes out and I was so scared. I didn't know what to do. I didn't speak American. And I was like, where did my parents go? They left me, they deserted me. After a few moments, my parents came running to my side and a a park attendant was there consoling me and I was found and it was all good. Parents, they passed. Um, But isn't it a weird phenomenon, that feeling of being lost? You can be in the middle of nowhere in a forest and there's no one within miles and miles away and you're lost. But you could also be in a busy city street surrounded by people all around you and have the exact same feeling, that feeling of being being isolated. You can be surrounded by a ton of people but yet feel completely alone. You may not get lost physically very often in your life, unless you're like me, who relies on Google Maps like every day of my life. But I can guarantee you that each and every one of us has felt lost relationally before. You felt like surrounded by people, but yet alone. You might be plugged into a good church or have a good family, but still feeling alone, feeling lost, and even isolated. I remember experiencing this feeling just a couple of years ago. Morgan and I moved to Kelowna from Abbotsford to start working here at, at this church. And it was an awesome opportunity. We were so excited. But all of our friends and family were living in the Abbotsford and the Lower Mainland. And so we kind of came here kind of on our own in the middle of COVID. Exactly, right? You're, you're, you can picture it. We're walking down this, the, the not busy streets of downtown Kelowna. They were completely deserted with our dog. And we're like, okay, we don't know anyone in this city. We would come and we would show up here on Sundays and we'd interact with like the 30 people to produce our church live stream. And that was like the extent of the people I knew in Kelowna for months. Okay. For a while in my life, just recently, I experienced what it felt like to feel isolated. Maybe you can relate with that. Maybe you just moved to Kelowna and you're just kind of getting your foot in the door. You're just trying to meet people and that's why you're here or watching this service right now. You're just hoping to meet some people because you have a feeling of isolation. Or maybe if you're honest, you know that you're lonely. You've been at it for a long time. You've been trying to make connections, but if you can't even count the people who'd really have your back with one hand, you feel lonely and it's been like that for a long time. You felt isolated for years. So today I want to speak to this, this message to you. If you feel isolation in your life, if you feel like you're cut off, if you're broken off a little bit or a lot, this message is for you. 
but also for anyone that's hearing my voice. I want you to take a deep look at the people in your life. Take a long, hard look at it. And I want you to ask these questions. I want you to consider this. Do I have people I can turn to no matter what? Do I have people who really know what's going on in my life? Do I feel isolated even right now? If you're not 100% sure about any of those questions, then you're in good company. In fact, globally, people are still dealing with the effects of what is known to be called the loneliness epidemic. This season following COVID-19, there have been so many lost friendships and so many broken off connections because of different stances on the virus and all that followed. Our community has been polarized and fractured and quite literally for two years, we weren't even allowed to be in the same rooms as our neighbors and our friends and our community. Our, we were quite literally thrown into isolation for a number of years. And as a society, we're not back to normal yet. We know, we know it deep in our core that we're supposed to have connections and relationships. We know it's important for our emotional and mental health to be connected. And in fact, as, as those who are following Jesus, who are Christian, we know it's essential for a Christian walk to live in community, to have that around us, for us to live our lives in line with kingdom culture, the way that Jesus intended us to live. We must be connected, not isolated. Now, this isn't having like 40 or 80 people like on constant, like constantly texting you in like a super mega group chat. That's not the goal. The goal is just to have a faithful few, people who really know what's going on in your life that will be willing to lay down their lives for yours and yours for them. It's God's intention that you'll have strong community supporting you no matter what. I love what Scott McKnight said on this. God's idea of redemption is community-shaped. My son Atlas just turned a year old and one of the milestones he's just kind of recently acquired is the ability to fit shapes into puzzles. And so we grab the little zebra and he, tried to, he puts it in the zebra box sideways. He can always get it in. And sometimes he'll grab a square, a square peg and try to put it into the round shape. And he tries so hard and he's pushing and forcing and forcing it. And he's convinced that he can fit it. Like he will not back down. And so I just kind of like twist the puzzle around. And then he puts it in and he looks at me like, see, I got it. And I'm like, oh, oh man, oh man. But he tries so hard to fit it, even though it won't work. We get it all wrong when we think that our faith and our problems are something that we can deal with on our own. I think we prefer sometimes just to have that personal faith in Jesus Christ. It's a personal faith. It's my own thing, my own struggles. It's cleaner and easier that way. And I think for a while we can live isolated. We can last a little bit out on our own in the, in the social isolation. We can kind of take care of ourselves for a while, but it's not the way that God intends for us. Friendship is key to stepping out of an isolated place into all that God has for you. There's a better way for us to live but it requires us to let people in and learn to lay our lives down for others and allow a part, of, a part of other people to be with us in the highs and lows. And not only do we have this epidemic of loneliness to deal with, there's also a deep part of us, especially those in the room who have grown up in Canada, who have grown up in this North American culture, if you call yourself a Canadian, we need to consider that having people close to us in our inner circle, having friends as close as family, actually goes against our cultural DNA. 
From my intercultural studies in college, I've learned and found that North American culture is considered a cold society, okay? You know, it's quite coincidental that our position on the globe has something to do with that, but people in North America tend to be more individualistic and achievement-focused. You see, it's unnatural for us to be connected. We lean as a nation to choosing to be isolated and fending for ourselves, Whereas other cultures, commonly those closest to the equator, but not limited to, we find that those cultures are more community-based and more family-focused. These are considered warm cultures. For warm cultures, friends are the family you choose. Community well-being is higher than self-preservation. See, there's nothing wrong with our society, okay? Don't feel bad for being Canadian, okay? It's just different. And I, I want to recognize uh, communicating to us this morning that for us as North Americans, hearing a message on friendship and community, it's actually really, really tough for us to understand and actually take to heart. It goes against how we feel like we're built and how we feel like we were raised for our whole entire lives. But hang on with me for a minute. Hear me out. I think we often forget that the Bible was written in the Middle East it was written to a warm cultured people group and they understood community and friendship and family in a way that we North Americans seem to struggle with. God did this intentionally. When we see the Bible and we see all the stories of friendship and of community, we're not even 100% comfortable with how that operates and how that is, but it's something we desperately need to adopt in our culture. God wants us to take some notes about community and how to let others into our lives through the various examples of friendship and community we see in the Bible. Kingdom culture is all about community. We are the church, not a group of individuals going to church. We're designed for this. We need it. There's an ancient African saying that says this, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. In order to not feel isolated, we need to live connected and have friendship and community in line with the kingdom way of life. So with all that in mind, with our cultural context in mind, I want to jump into a story of the Bible that is totally countercultural to what we would understand to be used to. And you probably haven't applied it to your life, um, maybe ever. It's a small book in the Old Testament and the culture is very different. There's some nuances just to, to kind of understand that we won't actually have time to really dive into too deeply today. But if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the book of Ruth chapter one, okay? Book of Ruth. And if you don't have a, a Bible with you, I saw, saw people pull out their phones. I hope they're not scrolling right now. Uh, if you have the Bible app on your phone, uh, also open that up because I want you to come back to the story and actually finish where we leave off this morning. It's a beautiful story. Um, there's just not time to finish it today. So if you have the Bible app or um, the uh, physical Bible, I, I have to go to page 338. So that's great. Uh, so we're just going to read this story. But before we do, I'm just going to give you some backstory. See, the book of Ruth opens up with a family that moved outside of Israel to find work. They were struggling. They were looking for work. They went to the land of Moab. They settled in a nearby nation, and the mother's name is Naomi, and her husband's name is Elimelech. They had two sons, and they ended up having their sons get married to a Moabite woman in the land. Then suddenly, calamity struck, and out of nowhere, all the men in the house 
passed away and died. These were the guys that were working the field, that were making the crops happen. They were working hard and hustling, but somehow they all passed away, leaving Naomi and these two women to be widows. In that society, there was just no social structures to support these women. They were on their own. They were scared and concerned. They didn't know what they're going to do next. Naomi went from being secure and comfortable to completely isolated in a land where she was a foreigner. She decided to move back home to Israel and hope for the best, but she didn't fully realize her need for a community yet. She didn't totally get it. She'd forgotten what it was all about. And she thought it'd be better for her to go off alone than it, than it would be to have her daughters come by her side. She embraced this isolation. And this is what she said to her daughters in Ruth 1 verse 8. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you've shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and wept aloud. And, said, and they said to her, we'll go back with you to your people. But Naomi was like, no, 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 return home, my daughters. And this is where it gets a little bit cultural and just a little over our heads. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it's bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, Naomi said, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn my back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Love that story. You see, Naomi, she was in a dark place. She was isolated. She'd lost everything. And her initial response was just to push the same people who were in her life away. She didn't know how to face it. She was hurting and broken. But in her search for answers and hope, it actually came from God providing godly friendships that supported her and got her through it. If you're feeling isolated today, if you're feeling in that place where you're just not sure what's going on in your life, I want you to see that maybe God is arranging people in your life to support you and pull you out of the isolation the same way that they did for Naomi. The story of Ruth shows us the power of godly friendships and the importance of relying on community instead of going at it alone. This is a very different culture, but I'm sure there's some great things that we can learn from this. So one of the things we see is that we first need to recognize that not all friendships last forever. Not every single friendship you have will last for every season of your life. I can only imagine how hurt Naomi was initially when a daughter-in-law that was with her for approximately 10 years turned her back on her and walked the other direction. I can imagine the pain and the hurt. And let's be honest, it's really easy to be mad at Orpah. No, not, not Oprah. Um, everyone loves her. But this, this woman in the Bible, Orpah, she turns her back on her mother-in-law. How savage, right? 
Well, what we see is that she was just doing what she thought was best. You know, she was young and it didn't really seem like a good plan to stick around with Naomi. Everything was going wrong in her life. And well, it's actually to her credit, she was sticking around until Naomi forced her to leave. She left. She had another road to take. And maybe that was best. You see, sometimes we have friendships that last for life. Every season, highs and lows. But sometimes there's a parting of ways, a breaking of the company. It can be hard. And it can be easy for us to think that a whole friendship was for nothing. That it was a waste of time. That you invested years or months or decades in a friendship just to lose them. Can I just speak to whoever this is for today? That no time spent in friendship is wasted time. None of it. It all matters. There's no such thing as wasting time and energy on another person. Those friendships were not for nothing. You see, in the case of Orpah, she had a different path to take. And that was what was best for them and for this context and for this moment. You see, Orpah wasn't 100% committed to Naomi. And if she went along the journey, who knows how the story would have ended. And sometimes in our lives, people need to go in different directions. A friendship has to end so that you can both move forward. Hear me out. I'm not instructing you to cancel someone who hasn't texted you for two weeks, okay? Don't just like totally take this way too far. But I recognize that there's some people in this room and you're carrying a hurt, you're carrying a pain of a friend that you've lost. And I just wanted to remind you that you don't have to carry that anymore. There's nothing wrong with you if you've lost a friend for various factors. You don't need to carry that guilt. You don't need to hold on to that. If a friendship comes to an end, you can let them go. When I was in high school, I had a really, really great friend of mine uh, and he had rock band. Okay, so after school, we'd go over to his house and we would play rock band together. It was awesome. And we became really close friends. He was actually the one that invited me out to the youth group that changed my life. And I'm so thankful for this friend in my life. But as, as months and years went on, we started to not really see eye to eye as friends. We stopped hanging out every single day after school. He started spending more time with friends, friends from our school friend group and less time with me at the church with all our friends from there. I don't exactly know what happened or where things went wrong or what was said, but I remember feeling betrayed by him and, and really let down and kind of pushed away from some of my other friends because of our friendship not really working out. And for a long time, I carried this burden and was hurt by it. And it was only until a few, quite a few years later that we came together over coffee and he just apologized to me. And he was so sorry for what had happened and he felt so bad for such a long time. Isn't it just sad that we both carried that for years? For years, I carried this hurt like I failed a friend or something like that. Why didn't I just talk to him earlier? Or, or why didn't I just realize that we were on separate paths? It was better for us both to go and have our own journeys and eventually come together at the end. We don't have to hold on to that. We don't have to hold on to that pain. My first invitation for you to leave the isolated place is to forgive those you've lost. In order to move forward with those God will bring into your life next and, and who's ahead, who's around the corner, forgive them. In this story, we see that or Orpah actually kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. She left really well. Don't go and kiss the people, like that's weird. But, um, but it's important for us to know that over time, you can forgive. Over time, you can move forward. Any pain caused, 
And who knows, maybe they'll come back into your life one day, but you can forgive them. You can let go of that hurt. Secondly, we need to allow people to come close. Isn't it such a beautiful picture? Naomi is so hurt and bitter and she's trying to force people away. She's forcing people out of her life. She doesn't want people close to her hurt and her brokenness. But Ruth comes and clings to her. She won't let her go. It's kind of like that scene in The Grinch Who Stole Christmas where Max is clinging to the Grinch on the sleigh and, this, and Grinch is just throwing him off the sleigh, like, get away from me. It's that level of closeness that honestly makes us a little bit uncomfortable. Ruth would not give up on Naomi no matter what. She's close to her physically, but emotionally as well. She's there in her lowest moment, in her lowest state. Now, I noticed something very cool when I was studying about this passage. You see, the name Ruth is actually derived and has a meaning of companion and friend. It's uh, based off the Hebrew root word, which is reut, which means friend. So in stark contrast to Orpah, we see who deserted her, who left her mother-in-law. We see Ruth step in and she's a friend who's close. You see, Naomi was in this place of hurt and bitterness and Ruth would not leave her side no matter what. If we put ourselves in Naomi's shoes though, isn't it awkward for us to have people that close to us sometimes? Isn't it uncomfortable and hard for us to allow people that close that they see everything going on? Sometimes it might just be easier to have people at arm's length so they don't see the messiness of our lives. We want to be selective with what we show. We want to put our best foot forward. We think we're convinced that that's the best way to keep our friends is not letting them know everything that's going on. And at first, that was Naomi's response. She just couldn't handle it. She's like, Ruth, you have to go back. But here's the thing. True friendship requires not only proximity, it also requires vulnerability. Even though it was uncomfortable for Ruth to be that close to her, it's what Naomi needed. In order to leave your isolation, you need to let your friends in. You need to let them in all close and personal. These are vital. It's so easy for us to put up walls. The walls to those at work, walls to our extended family. All we do is walk around with our walls and we keep people at arm's length from what's really going on, the brokenness inside. But we all need a few people in our lives with which there are no walls. It's all out in the open. Your brokenness, your flaws, your struggles. We need that if we're going to grow, if we're going to step into a place of community and connection. If you're going to have someone have your back, they need to know where your weak spots are. They need to know how to protect you. And that only happens when you allow them to be close to you. Maybe that means sharing about a past failure or sin in your life. Just bring it up uh, over coffee. Like, hey, like just talk about the things in your life that you struggle with. Or maybe for you, that's talking about your big dream in your life the big hope you have and the impossible crazy idea that you've been keeping inside, you should tell someone close to you about it. Or maybe it's just talking about a past hurt in your life, baggage that you're carrying. Talk about it. 
This could be someone that you're married to or in a relationship with, or it could just be a close friend in your life. I, I, the most likely, there's things in your life, there's things you've been carrying that you haven't talked about yet. Talk about it. Bring it out in the open. It can be awkward, painful, and scary, but true friendships will grow stronger from this type of closeness. In fact, it's the recipe to help make them grow. In order to leave isolation behind and make sure you're truly connecting the community, you need to recognize that not all friendships last. You need to allow people to come close and actually be there with you in the ups and downs. And finally, we must be willing to lay our lives down. I'm going to invite the band to come up in a moment. Let's look at what Ruth's response was one more time. Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn my back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates me from you. You see, this moment, this young foreigner shows incredible loyalty to Naomi. She boldly declares that she's quite literally willing to die for her mother-in-law. Ruth didn't have a plan. She didn't have an angle. She didn't. She wasn't banking on RSP or anything like that. She quite literally just wanted to support Naomi and be faithful to her no matter what. Luckily, I know how the story ends. And in a beautiful arrangement of events, you have to read it. God orchestrates that Naomi's family is 100% redeemed and all that she lost, God provides for and fills in the gaps and uses Ruth to create this beautiful turn of events. But Ruth didn't know that was going to happen. She had no clue. The likely event was that they would both perish on the way back to Jerusalem, but she chose to lay her life down with no expectation of return we must be willing to lay our lives down as well. Remember how I mentioned earlier that our, our cold culture struggles with the concept of self-preservation? It's so much more natural for us to think of our own needs and what's, what's in it for us in a friendship. I think often we fall into the trap of thinking that the purpose of having friends is actually to get something from the other. And you, you, you would never say that, but so often our thinking and the way we talk about friendships is all about that. You know, it's a, as long as we're both giving, then we're both receiving. We're both winning in that case. But what about when a friend stops giving? What about when a friendship is falling apart, when a person in your life that you're really close to is going through a hard time and they stop pouring into the friendship, they stop really investing in you or even seemingly caring about what's going on in your life. Man, it's so easy just to let the relationship fade away because it's supposed to be give and take, right? And what, what have they done for me in a long time? Why haven't they reached out? Why haven't they texted me? What's going on? See, our culture would say it's okay. If they're not there for you, then move on. But that's where we need love like Ruth had. We need to be like Ruth and know when to lay our lives down. It's easy to give up on a friend when things are hard, but we can be different. We can be there for people when they're having the low moments in their lives. We can know when it's our time to lay down our lives for a friend and support them and pick them up and be there for them. And I just want to encourage you, if you today are the one that's in that low point and you're like, no one is reaching out to me, I'm isolated. 
I'm hurting. My encouragement for you is to take the first step. Even if you feel cut off, even if you feel like there's no one really in your circle pouring into you, I wanna encourage you to initiate again. You may have to lie down some pride or some apathy, but go and plan a hangout with someone that you lost touch with. Strike up a phone call with someone. You take the first step. With a friend that is down and out, reach out to them. We lay our lives down. It's only a matter of time until things turn around and they return the favor because that's what good friends do. This isn't being taken advantage of. This isn't being taken for granted. No, this is the unselfish and radical love of others that we can only get from our source in Jesus Christ. In John 15, verse 12 to 13, right before Jesus went to the cross, he said this to his friends, to his disciples. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. I love how Jesus gave this commandment. One of the last instructions he gave the disciples before he left because he quite literally went and laid down his life. He gave no objection to be nailed on a cross. He took the punishment for us, for his friends. He laid everything down for those he loved. If we could just have a piece of that, a piece of that unselfish, radical love, man, our friendships and our community would look so, so different. We just had a piece of that love. Erwin Raphael McManus, a pastor at Mosaic Church says this, you will become who you walk with. So imagine the implications if you walk with Jesus. When he calls you, he never calls you to only yourself. He will always call you to a people. He always calls us to each other. I can't, at the end of this message, you know, I can't force you to take this last point seriously. I can't convince you to lay your life down for others. That's just not something I have the ability to do. But I can encourage you with all my heart that if you walk with Jesus, take one step closer in your relationship with him, his love will become your love for others. And the world needs that love right now. Coming out of COVID, coming out of years of isolation and brokenness, we need a community that's willing to go and look for the isolated, that's willing to find the outcast and say, hey, I got one more room at my table. And what if our church was like that? I wouldn't need to come and do a talk on this again. If we really took this to heart and we really were those who found the isolated and brought them home into community. So my only encouragement for you, just take one step closer to Jesus this week. Let his love for others become your love for them as well. In this book, it's so beautiful. There's a, a character named Boaz who steps into the scene. He sees the plight of the woman. He sees how hurt they are and how afraid they are. And he steps up. He makes a way for them to be redeemed. He makes a way to make everything right in their lives. Even though they couldn't do it on their own, this man named Boaz steps in and fixes everything. In the same way, church, that's who Jesus is to us. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. 
He stepped in when we didn't have an option. He stepped in and saved us. He stepped in with his death on the cross and gave us hope and gave us life and actually gives his love to us so that we can share it with others in a hurting and broken world. That's what this is about. I can't convince you to be the best friend to those who need it, but I can encourage you with all my heart, come closer to Jesus. Let his love be your love. And man, what we'll see if we take that seriously. Would you stand with me as we uh, close this service and worship? I would love just to pray over you, pray over this community and all of its services right now. Would you close your eyes if you're comfortable? Dear Jesus, we thank you that you're real. This isn't made up. Historically, you came and you literally gave your life. You had it all. You had a huge following. You had the crowds, you had the friends but you chose to give your life in exchange for ours. That love, that radical love that expects nothing in return, we pray that we would have the same today. God, help us to love our neighbors, help us to love our friends, help us to text that person that we've given up on, help us to have that radical love that this world needs. As we come closer to you, would you remind us of how good you are, how faithful you are, And even when we make mistakes, you give us second, third, and a thousandth chances. We love you, Jesus. Thanks for never giving up on us. Thanks for never giving up on me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're comfortable, would you respond in worship this morning?